welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. In March, David Kleiman was busy working on a record first quarter for his successful hospitality consulting business. Then on March 17th, the state of California went into lockdown mode. Within days, all of his business for the year had dissolved. And I know that sounds familiar to a lot of you. Um, David found other ways to stay busy though and position himself to survive this year and thrive when business gets back to some semblance of normalcy. I enjoyed hearing about his experience and also his advice for other meeting planners and suppliers who find themselves with empty calendars for the time being. Here's what he had to say. My husband and I came down to Arizona the week before the pandemic really hit California and California shut down. And on March 14th, we flew back to Santa Rosa And on March 17th, I believe it was the 17th, the state of California went into lockdown. And basically, the day before that, I had a business, personal, and professional calendar that was fully baked, full on for the rest of the year, running my business, which I do research in the meeting and event space and facilitate think tanks for DMOs, CVBs, hotel companies, all with meeting professionals. I I mine the voice of meeting professionals for my customers, DMOs, and hotel companies. The day before the lockdown, I had a full calendar, and by a day after the lockdown, I had an empty calendar. My business, like all businesses in the hospitality, travel, tourism, meeting and event space, went from what was going to be a banner year to full pause. So I am on the great pause now. And I looked at that first with shock and awe, total, not so much disbelief, but here is this once in a century kind of event. And while I feel quite comfortable in my skin and in my business, This was something that was unimaginable. And I quite literally spent the first three days just kind of wondering what has hit me, this tsunami of uncertainty. And by either the third or the fourth day, I realized that what I needed to do was take as much control of the situation as was humanly possible. I've spent decades in this industry and probably what I am best known for among a few things is my network. Mm -hmm. I have a vast professional network as a past international chair of MPI, is very active in the industry. And I started calling and emailing my colleagues. And not to say help me, not to say give me business and try and promote myself, but rather to have an empathetic conversation because I knew my colleagues were in exactly the same situation, whether they were running or selling or marketing a hotel, a DMO, whether they were at an airline or a cruise line, or whether they were an event professional. 
everyone had been hit by this tsunami. And I started to brainstorm with my colleagues and peers about what could we do? And I'll put it truly one defining conversation with my close personal friend and colleague, Kristen Horseman at Salesforce, who runs Dreamforce, a small, I say kiddingly, almost 200,000 person event that takes place every fall in San Francisco. By the way, that event will be fully virtual this year. Kristen and I were talking, and we talk all the time, and she was lamenting about there's nowhere to go for information other than the hundreds or thousands of emails that are hitting her inbox or my inbox or all the websites or all the Zoom meetings that we're starting up. We, she was saying, us leaders in the industry, we should think about creating a centralized portal to curate information and assets for live event professionals and, uh, and meeting suppliers where we could aggregate as many best practices as possible and create community and a portal and a place for people to go. And she and I struck on this idea, which has now morphed into the Event Industry Council Accepted Practices Exchange COVID Business Recovery Task Force. A long name, but it is the portal, global portal that has been created to curate and share accepted practices to deal with business recovery, whether you're an event professional, a supplier, an intermediary. And I feel quite proud that I went from a place of shock and awe and disbelief watching my business portfolio evaporate, going from what was a first quarter record year, fantastic year on tap, to nothing, basically. And now I've dedicated myself and my resources, my network, my activities to being a volunteer leader. That's one thing that I did, and I really recommend not just that you should be involved with the Event Industry Council. That's only one thing to do as an event professional, as a supplier. There are so many things that, that we in this industry, during this time of a great pause, can do to remain active, relevant, and engaged. And that I've been taken back a few times talking with people that I perceived as very engaged event professionals at different stratas of their careers, whether they are newly minted or involved for decades, who have said to me, I'm bored. I have nothing to do. I'm not sure. I, I've been defined my, by my professional career and now it's evaporated and I sit around and I don't know what to do. And I try and coach them. Don't be bored. Activate yourself. You can go on your computer and find classes to take, training to take, I mean, PCMA's got the, digi I believe it's Digital Event Strategist Program. Now that comes at a cost, but there's scholarships available. MPI's got classes, Destinations International, ASAE's annual meeting is taking place right now virtually. 
there are activities that people should be engaged with. And I wholeheartedly dove into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I feel like you can be on a webinar every minute of the day. We offer <laughs> them and there's also all kinds of digital meetings. Where does somebody start? You know, what kind of courses are you taking? I've been doing a few things. So I'm, I'm, I was a language and literature major in college, of all things, got me perfectly prepared for the event industry. But being multilingual, I've been honing up on my language skills. So I've been taking German language classes online. I'm, I'm fluent in German, but you can always continually learn. So I've been doing that. I've been taking video interview classes Actually, through my college, I went to Bard College in upstate New York, and through the Alumni Association, it's actually out of Melbourne, Australia, one of the alumni is teaching an online video interviewing class. So, you know, that's what we're doing, although we're doing a podcast. I pride myself on being a fairly effective moderator and facilitator. However, what I'm about to say is key to mastering the pandemic. Life is about continuous learning. And wherever you are in your career, whether you're new or long time, you must continue to learn. So me, I mean, I've been around a long time. But I have to continue to take classes to learn about virtual events, all these skills. And I'm always looking. I do some fun things as well. You know, it's not just the professional activities that, that we should be doing. You have to take care of yourself personally to be empathetic to yourself. In terms of the virtual meeting platforms and how to plan a virtual meeting, it's very different than a live meeting and people who don't have that skill, like now is the time to get that skill. Absolutely. And, you know, all you have to do is go online to Google virtual facilitation or virtual meetings. And there's all these classes and webinars, pick the right ones, do your research, talk. And, and, and I, you asked before, where do people start? I would start with professional organizations, MPI, PCMA, ASAE, Destinations International, and others. They are your professional home. And while they are also hurting, all those organizations are hurting financially, all of them are offering community and classes and virtual gatherings, whether it, it could be completely social. I, I do a, a, a Northern California MPI and PCMA virtual social event once a month where we do trivia and play bingo and just laugh. That's fine, mm -hmm. but you should be complementing that with a, a true professional learning experience as well. Don't just play bingo. Yeah, but keeping up your contacts and letting yourself relax a little bit. Absolutely. connected is so important. So yes. Important. So what is your outlook in terms of the return of live events and what do you expect will be forever or nearly forever? Different? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is my estimation. After thousands of conversations with people and attending webinars, looking at the data, you know, look at what 
U.S. travel and the global organizations are publishing. So I based the following on both anecdotal, qualitative, and quantitative research and conversations. I believe the live event industry will only return once a proven vaccine is developed and in widespread global use. The return to pre-COVID levels where, you know, if when we were all, let's say, at PCMA in San Francisco in January with four or 5,000 people and the calendar and the forecast looked like any other year and there were going to be many events, CES was meeting. I had just come from a 20,000-person meeting in Salt Lake, those type of events. My personal outlook is it will be several years until they return. 2023, 2024, to get to those levels. Once a vaccine is developed and in widespread use, you're going to see a plethora of 100-person meetings, 500-person meetings, maybe slightly larger. But the idea of 5,000, 10,000, 50,000 people reconvening, I believe, this is my opinion, that it will be several years. Yeah. And what are, what do you think are some of the main factors? I think a lot of organizations are going to be cash-strapped for having gone through this experience and limiting the amount of allocation toward business travel and meetings. Correct. Financially, organizations of all sorts, corporations, associations, nonprofits, cash-strapped, absolutely. And, and there'll be some levels to that. You're going to go from organizations being on life support to just managing to, I mean, I'm going to imagine a company like Amazon is thriving financially right now. So you're going to see variations on that. But there's also another point, and that is attendee or stakeholder willingness to be comfortable to attend. We've gotten very used to virtual collaboration as we're doing right now. So put yourself in the position of someone, you or me, with a family at home, and we would normally be planning our year and we're going to XYZ event, and we didn't even think about it. It was just part of our DNA of traveling. And now there's a global pandemic. Hopefully there will be a vaccine soon. But even when there's a vaccine, we're not going to have 100% compliance. So is the, is the vaccine efficacy going to really work? And are people going to be comfortable flying, traveling, checking into a hotel, attending a meeting? I think that's going to be all over the board. Yeah. And that's going to diminish attendance. And so do you, do you expect that, that even when live meetings return to whatever extent that will be hybrid or... Omni-platform is a term I've yeah, I think omni-platform will be the new reality. And how, how do you describe omni-platform? What would you say falls in? Yeah, so we're kind of in generation 1.5 or maybe generation 2, what we're using, Zoom or go to meetings. I think that the technology companies are scrambling right now to create enhancements to what we have. So 
you know, where we, you know, go to MPI or PCMA or ASE in the past, and there's always been a virtual component of a couple of hundred people logging in. I think in the future, those meetings or, you know, Salesforce or Microsoft or, you know, CES or whatever, there'll be a live component, but there is going to be satellite gatherings all over the world on a global meeting. There's going to be enhanced technology. I think we are not that far away from days where here I am in my home office and I've got a 15 by 10 foot wall here. That that could be a screen right? where there, there could be almost virtual reality of me looking at people, not, not a Zoom box, but a large screen where there's really interaction. And I think those things are near-term reality that will filter into the live event space. Certainly virtual reality, if people are willing to wear an Oculus or um, bless you or anything like that. But you know, anybody who thinks that it's just a Zoom box or a go-to meeting, this is version 1.5, and we are going to quickly leap to 3.0 and 5.0 and version 10 in the live event space because what we talked about a minute ago of when these large events start up again in a few years, there's not, it's, it's not going to be a button that gets pushed and all of a sudden we return to pre-COVID levels. People are going to want to engage differently. Some will be face-to-face, some will be virtual one-on-one, some will be virtual in groups, and technology will enable that. Yeah. And I think planners who aren't versed in you know, digital platforms and, and other new technologies now have the opportunity to educate themselves while their business is slow or while their business is slow. So for that kind of stuff, like, you know, again, you know, Northstar does that kind of education and the industry associations have various platforms. And would you say it's just a matter of, you know, looking and asking? Uh, I mean, I think what you guys are doing at Northstar is leading edge. You know, clearly you're reaching out to the industry to get subject matter experts. I would look to Northstar. I'd look to, frankly, in fairness, your competitors. We're all in this together. And when I say the community, speaking to event professionals, the, the trade associations that are providing this activity. And, you know, I'll be brutal. Shame on anybody that's not taking advantage of this during the great pause. If you're still sitting at home in shock and awe, shake yourself up and log in and take advantage of this. Because if you don't, you're going to get left behind. And if you're willing to get left behind and have a new career and that's okay with you, fine. But don't expect that there's going to be a light switch that gets pushed and everything goes back to pre-COVID normalcy. It's not going to happen. Those people who are used to doing doing their meeting the same way, and their, their technology is an Excel spreadsheet, and it's over. Uh, and then that, yeah, um, it's over it's not- for me. You know, I, I had this portfolio of advisory boards and think tanks for the year laid out, thirty of them or whatever, and the idea that I could possibly imagine going back to my clients and saying 
okay, the vaccine's there and we can get together with 30 people in wherever and we're just going to do what we had planned, people would look at me like I was a lunatic. It, it just can't be that way. This crisis has transformed the way we do business as a live event industry, as global business people, and as humans. And if anybody thinks that it can just be the same, they're kidding themselves. So train yourself, challenge yourself, find the assets, log in and dig in. Mm-hmm. And do you have, so any of your business, your think tanks, are you planning to go ahead with them either on a hybrid or digital? Yeah, I mean, I've got a fleet of think tanks that are taking place digitally right now, next week. But this is, I would call it interim. This is, we're dealing short term with the crisis and they're all crisis related, whether it's social justice or pandemic. Those are basically the two things in the United States that we're dealing with, social justice and inequity and how to deal with the pandemic from a live event industry point of view. So we're gathering, I've got um, one with a client coming up soon and there's many others, but you know, we're, we're relying on existing 1.0 technology. We're, we're gonna use Zoom or go to meetings or Ring Central right now because there's not a lot of willingness from suppliers to invest in a, a, a big fleet of new technology from a CVB or a hotel company. And I get that because everyone is operating on crisis budgets and we need to make it simple for the planners to engage. And, and frankly, to get 15 or 18 or 20 people on a Zoom call, and it's not a traditional day and a half meeting, we'll meet for an hour and a half, we'll take a 30 minute break, we'll meet for an hour, that's it, then we'll come back in a day or two and meet up again. So there's a tolerance to have this type of engagement and, and it works, but it, that's not a long-term solution. Yeah. You, know, you can't well, meet for a whole day like that. Yeah. And so that's interesting because we've also, you know, we have different agendas when we're doing our, our meetings digitally. And whereas like a two day or two and a half day event was typical for our hosted buyer events. Now it's a half a day. It's four hours, you know I mean? Yeah. It, and, right. it's, and long breaks yeah, to give people a chance. And, um, you know, and, you know, many of these tools, Zoom and others, the breakout rooms are working well for engaging people. But all of that needs to, in the near future, the year, two years from now, when we really start convening in larger groups, maybe a little farther out, you know, that that needs to be on steroids because what it is now is working, but just well enough. Mm-hmm. It's like, what really is my purpose? You know, so if my purpose is planning meetings to help an organization achieve their goals, how am I going to do that in a different way to get to that, you know, to fulfill that mission? I I come back to these conversations I've had with a couple of people of, I have nothing to do. I'm like, that that speaks to me about a lack of self-awareness, that you don't know what you have inside you and you're just befuddled by the crisis. 
And, you know, that, that, that takes some serious investigation, but yeah, it, 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 there is, I mean, it's very cliche, crisis opportunity. There is opportunity in this crisis, yeah. without I mean, a doubt. The ecosystem will be thinned. There will be less people in this industry. And that is going to be tragic for some. I think there are a, a group of people that tragically their lives economically will be completely negatively transformed. And that, that is terrible, but it is reality. There will be less people ultimately on the other side of this crisis working in the live events industry, in the tourism industry, and those people that take seriously the analysis of the crisis and the reinvention of themselves or their businesses have true potential to thrive. Well, anything else you'd like to add? I think that's a lot of food for thought. Well, it's my pleasure. I welcome something I, I took seriously was a post that I put on LinkedIn. If people know me professionally, not talking about people that I don't have professional relationships with, but if there are people out there listening that know me professionally and want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, David Kleiman, I welcome that. And we can have a conversation. We can just chat about anything. I welcome those conversations. Never give up. Use this crisis to reinvent yourself. And Lauren, I thank you for the time and the conversation. Thank you, David. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us and check back for new episodes soon.